Hey, come on, happy Easter, Red Rocks Church. Hey, come on, can we lift up a shout of praise this morning for Jesus Christ? Oh, you got more than that, let's go. The name above every name, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hey, you might not be where you wanna be, but because of Easter, you're not where you should be. And because of Easter, broken stories become powerful testimonies and past mistakes become souvenirs of grace. All because 2,000 years ago, Jesus was crucified on a cross and buried in the ground, but did not stay there. And today we gather to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And the era that we live in is now marked and defined by love and grace, amen. Welcome to church. Please, if you're new, do not be fooled by my suit. This is kind of like a first date. And if you come back next week for the second date, the classiness is all downhill from here. I will be back in ripped jeans and a t-shirt, but it's Easter morning and the tomb is empty, baby. So go big or go home. This is how much I love you. Hey, remain standing if you can, just for a few more moments while we read the word of God and pray together. The first seven verses of Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then here it is, he is not here, he has risen. And I love this part, just as he said. Of course he did, just as he said. Hey, you know, in October of 2008, I was a sophomore at the University of Colorado and on paper, everything was right. But in my heart, I was incomplete and full of shame and a little quietly panicked because all the fulfillment and life I was looking for everywhere, I was not finding. Until one Tuesday evening, I walked into a college church service right off campus and Deep down, I knew this whole God thing was real. I just didn't think it was for me. And I walked in with my extensive anti-resume of why I should be lit on fire upon entry and all the reasons that God could never want me or never use me. But the Holy Spirit moved and the gospel was preached. And I walked out completely different, not just saved, but called a new creation in Jesus with a newfound purpose and caught up in a better and bigger story. And that's gonna happen for some people in here today. You thought you were just coming to an Easter service to make mom or grandma happy, but what you don't know is you have a divine appointment with the maker of the universe who has been looking forward to this day since before you were born. Anything is possible. Why? Because Jesus is alive, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And this Easter message is called Resurrection Reality. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for everything you did. Thank you for taking on the fullness of the weight of all sin and imperfection on the cross. And thank you, the story did not end there. Today we gather to celebrate the greatest event in history. In Jesus' name, somebody say, Amen. Hey, give away a wink and a gun or a high five to somebody and you may take a seat. Welcome to church.
My wife and I have two kids under the age of three, Will and Sam, or um, I'm sorry, Will and Kinsley, my wife is Sam. And uh, it's the suit, guys, I'm not used to this. Um, will we have more? Only she knows, to be honest with you. She wants four, okay? It's a little therapy session between me and you because she's not here. Um, Jim Gaffigan once said, if you wanna know what it's like to go from three kids to four, just imagine you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby. <laughs> and that joke has haunted me ever since. How many parents in the room? Where are you at? Here we go. Anybody with kids five and under, where are you at? Let me see you. Can we just take a moment and just acknowledge that right now your kids are across the hall in Red Rocks Kids learning about how much God loves them and for the next 30 minutes, you get to sit down, okay? You hear that screaming? Me neither. Happy Easter. It's a beautiful Sunday. Oh, sitting down. That's uh, the, the one thing I think about every time I stand up is when can I sit down again? It's the carrot that keeps me motivated, Ryan. Oh, parental bliss is sitting. <laughs> it's the little things. Parental bliss is opening the dryer and realizing all you have to do is fold four towels instead of match 5,000 tiny socks. Parental bliss is cutting the PB&J into squares instead of triangles, and lo and behold, it was the right decision for the first time in your life. Hell hath no fury like a toddler who wanted his mac and cheese in a blue bowl, and for whatever reason, what were you thinking? You gave it to him in a green bowl. This was my life two days ago. Oh, blessings from God, aren't they? Arrows in my quiver. <laughs> hey, I love being a dad. I'm, it's my favorite thing. I'm having some fun because my, uh, my, my son Will is now three, so he's asking a lot of questions. And I am realizing having to explain things to your kids makes you realize how little you know about anything. So Will will go, look, Daddy, it's a stick. No, son, that's an antenna. Well, what's an antenna? It's a stick. <laughs> And I totally get now why parents since the beginning of time have said these four words. Are you ready? Because I said so. Why, Dad? Because you're three and I'm 33. And I said so. Dad, why do I have to wear pants to the park? Because I said so, although I like your spirit. Can I go to the park by myself, Dad? No. Yeah, I can. I can go by myself. No, you can't. Well, why? Because you only know us and you don't know where you live. Think it through, pal. It's a real question I've been asked. Dad, can I eat this rock? No. Why not? Because it's a rock. Well, why can't, I eat, why can't I eat a rock? And Dad, and I'm just like, give me a second. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't ever think I'd have to have a reason for this, okay? Let me think. And so I say, because I said so. But in all fairness to my three-year-old, that's a terrible argument. It is. And this might sound strange, but I think this will build, I, I, you need to know this whole Easter thing is not just blind faith. In other words, Christianity is not real because your parents said so. And Jesus is not the son of God just because the Bible says so. Now, I, I, I agree with your parents, and I believe the, the Bible is the inspired word of God. I'm just correcting the order because I think it's gonna build your confidence in resurrection reality. 
that much like the Constitution did not found our nation and your company handbook did not start your company, those things came second to explain something that has already happened. This is real because of an event. Christianity is real and Jesus is who he said he was because he was tortured and beaten and mutilated for close to 20 hours before he was crucified on a cross until he was so obviously dead and buried in the ground on Friday, but stood up and walked out on Sunday and 500 eyewitnesses who saw him dead hung out with him a few days later and they were so convinced what they saw was real, they went on to give all their resources, all their futures, they went on to give their very lives so that the world would know. And here we are 2,000 years later living in a world where everything in it that is good for those who believe and those who don't is simply a ripple effect of one man's life and legacy. And I've got one word for that, supernatural. Why? Because Jesus never held an office. Jesus never led an army. He never forced a soul to follow him. He never built a statue of himself never once tried to immortalize his legacy. Well, that's what kings and rulers have always done, always. Caesar named Caesarea to try to, to, try to eternalize his name and, and preserve his identity. Alexander the Great named Alexandria. Fast forward to today and what do we have that's named after Caesar? A pizza place and a casino. <laughs> Caesar is now your salad or your dog, okay? You guys, Jesus didn't have a home, let alone name a city after himself. And today, cities all over the world are named after his followers. San Francisco, named after St. Francis, a man who was a follower of Jesus. Sacramento got its name because Jesus had one last dinner with his buddies that we call the Final Supper that later came to be known as a sacrament, okay? Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin, San Diego, named after St. Juan Diego, who was a follower of Jesus. I could keep going for two hours. John Orberg would say, you cannot look at a map without seeing Jesus. And I'll take it a step further. You can't look at a calendar without seeing Jesus. The world's calendar, our calendar, the Gregorian BC AD calendar, with AD meaning the Latin phrase anno domini, or the year of our Lord measuring forward from the moment Jesus was born and BC standing for before Christ, okay? And so that means Alexander the Great, his reign is, is recorded in history beginning in 336 BC. And for King Herod the Great, the self-proclaimed king of the Jews who, who committed an infant genocide to try to have Jesus wiped out as a baby, history records his birthday in 73 BC, which means for Herod, and for Alexander, and for every Caesar, and every ruler, and every tyrant, and every dictator who has ever lived or is living right now, their reigns and rules and birthdays are being recorded historically based on a baby fugitive who was born poor in a cave 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world. A supernatural. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every religion is telling time based on a Jewish carpenter who lived before social media and never traveled more than a couple hundred miles from his home. This impact and legacy 
One word again, supernatural. You cannot tell time without Jesus, which gives way more meaning to verses, by the way, like Colossians 1.7. He is before all things, and in him, somebody say in him, in him all things hold together. So time itself is happening in him. In other words, the beginning of all things is not a place Jesus was. It's a place he is right now. He's not confined to time and space the way we are. Those things are in him, which means the end of all things is not a place that Jesus will be one day. It's a place he is right now, just like he's right here and right now because he's everywhere always. The entire timeline of human history that you and I live out our lives on are literally in him. From A to Z, if you prefer Greek, from the alpha to the omega, from the beginning to the end, you cannot tell time without Jesus. Supernatural, because of the resurrection. There's a t-shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. And I think God thinks it's funny, I do too. Nothing against it at all. All I'm saying is, homeboys don't, divide history in half. Good guys back in the day who had some good ideas and then died don't earn the nickname Hinge of History. That's for kings of kings, and that's it. What I'm describing are the things reserved for those who predict their deaths and resurrections and then pull it off. The moment Jesus took his final breath on the cross, it seemed to everybody present that whatever small amount of influence and impact he would have on this planet would be crucified and buried in the tomb with him. Jesus, on purpose, set himself up on a collision course with Rome, the most powerful empire in the known world, as the ultimate underdog to be crushed. And crushed is exactly what he was. The Roman Empire flexed its power by crucifying people. Jesus laid his down by being crucified. Fast forward to today, and at least 2.5 billion people today around the planet will gather in communities like this, including Kanye West and Justin Bieber, all to celebrate this Jesus who is more alive and more present with more influence than he has ever had or has ever been. And if you wanna learn about the Roman Empire, you can go to Wikipedia. And that was sassy, but I'm feeling this. <laughs> regardless of what you believe about him, regardless of if you like him, the wake of Jesus is a wildfire that cannot and will not be stopped. I'm telling you, Christianity is not real because your parents said so. Nor is this a crutch to make us feel better about losing loved ones nor is it a feel-good answer for what happens after we die. This is as real as real gets because of one event that has forever changed the world, the resurrection, which is what we celebrate today. We now live in a world defined by resurrection reality. Amen? I wanna take the rest of the time to give you three things that means for us today. Resurrection reality means, number one, our sins are forgiven. And this is the starting point of everything. If you've ever felt too flawed for God, if you've ever walked into a church and felt like you don't belong, first of all, welcome to Red Rocks. We say all the time, we are all imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. The pastors are proof here, okay? 
Imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. So let's just acknowledge the imperfect part. Scripture says all of us, it's what we all have in common, we're all sinners in need of a savior. Now to me, that's the most obvious thing in the world because I know me and I know the world that I live in. And I know enough now in 33 short years to know, guys, the answer is not within ourselves. If it was, it would have worked by now. We need something outside of us, a God beyond us who is what we're not and can do what, we're can't, what we can't. We are sinners in need of a savior. Now, to be perfectly clear, in Genesis, we were made perfect image bearers, sons and daughters, two chapters before we became sinful. So sin is not my identity, but it is my infection, and it's yours too. In other words, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. The wages of sin is death, and all, that word, so unifying, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Happy Easter. Sin has placed a space between us and him, which sets the stage, by the way, for a hero. Now, religion is simply just human beings trying to bridge or span this gap and get to God. And we play religious games all the time. Like if I could just do a little bit more good than bad, be a little bit more good than bad, then I will somehow tilt these divine scales in my direction and I will earn the forgiveness that I need for heaven as if God grades on a curve. And you play the same games I do where you watch the news and you go, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that guy. So I think, I think I'm okay here. I mean, I'm a good person. And my response to that will just continue to be compared to what? Like, I agree, you're, you're a good person, but we're talking about the holiness and righteousness and perfection of God Almighty because he cannot dwell where there is sin. This is what is required for eternity with him. All I'm saying is, hey, Mother Teresa, on her best day, doesn't come close on her own without Jesus for what she needs to be or do for that kind of holiness or perfection. And if she can't do that, you think I can? Not a chance. This is like my dog, Luna. When she was a puppy, I would take her for walks and she would see commercial jets fly over and she would like jump to try to get them. And I go, you really, you really believe you almost just got that? Like you really think you being good is getting you anywhere close to where you need to be for heaven on your own. I mean, Michael Phelps, Missy Franklin, they're great swimmers, but I'm talking about the Pacific Ocean here. Ephesians chapter two would say, all of us are as good as dead in our transgressions and sins. As good as dead, but God, somebody say, but God. It's the gospel in two words, a phrase used 165 times in the New Testament. Our God is the ultimate butter inner. Ephesians 2, four and five, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, not by trying harder to be gooder. Dead people don't need self-help, they need life. And God, through Easter, has given us his that Jesus, by the cross, has spanned this gap for us through something called 
forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the gospel in one verse. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. A great exchange takes place when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He who knew no sin, Jesus, says, give me your sin. Son, daughter, I want it. Give your sin to me. Give me your position and take mine. It's called righteousness. Undefeated, this is salvation. And in case you're wondering, what's the catch, pastor? There's not one. There's not. And I don't know your story. I don't need to because I know this story. I know God did not come to punish the sinner. He came to punish sin. But we just so happened to be carriers of sin. So something had to be done, and it was. God on that cross would crush his current son, Jesus, so that he could later save and exalt his future son, Doug. He would treat Jesus like you, so for the rest of forever, he could treat you like Jesus. And it's so scandalous and unthinkable, the opposite of religion. Nobody could come up with it. So ridiculous, it's what makes it the greatest news in the universe that now because of Easter there is there's no limit to his mercy and forgiveness and whether you've been following Jesus for 10 minutes 10 years 10 decades the grace that saves you is the grace that will sustain you guys this is so real his grace is that good it's that big all of our sin past present and future forgiven him doing for us what we could never do on our Sum up the scriptures in one word, forgiveness. Give me your sin. Take my position. Zero catch. This is resurrection reality, amen? All right, you guys, point number two. Resurrection reality means we get heaven forever, forever. Now, most of what we believe about heaven is based on cliches, ethereal paintings and poetry, or the Looney Tunes. And most of it is wrong, and I don't say that to knock it, I say it because the real thing is so much better, and this needs to be something not that you fear or are indifferent about, but something you're looking forward to. 2 Peter 3.13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. The entire story of the Bible is the story of redemption, not of a people after a God, but of a God after his people. And this God is not making all new things. This God is making all things new. And that's important because this is not some evacuation theology where God's just gonna blow this whole thing up and start over because the devil ruined everything. Because technically, if that were true, if that were the case, then the devil wins round one. And our God will not be bested. You need to understand, this is not God and Satan sparring it out in the celestials while you and me are sitting up in the grandstands, crossing our fingers and just praying that our God wins this one, that he pulls it off, you guys. No, there is no competition. He made his creation and he called it good and he will make all things new again. A new heaven and a new earth that feels and looks and smells and tastes and sounds a lot more familiar than you think. 2 Corinthians 5, 3. 
We will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. And that's good news for me because that says you're not just gonna be a floating spiritual orb bumping into other orbs for the rest of forever or a a chubby baby in holy huggies on white fluffy clouds with a harp singing hymns for the next 10 trillion years. I love hymns, but I'm like, that's so much singing. That like terrifies me a little bit. And praise God, that's not what we're looking forward to. How do I know? Because of Jesus. Because we have on record a man who walked his bad self out of his borrowed grave in a resurrected body and hung out for 40 days and we will receive what Jesus had. After his resurrection, Jesus had bones and skin. Jesus could touch and feel and experience. He hugs Mary Magdalene. I mean, we gotta get it out of our minds that physical and spiritual cannot be one and the same. Randy Alcorn would say, everything you love about yourself, about your body now, will be restored to you then. This time, no decay and no death. So that receding hairline, bam, gone. (laughs) Acne, bam, gone. Cats, bam, gone. I'm kidding, I'm not. That was a bad joke. Um, No more sickness, no more division, no more cancer or cavities. That's speculation, but I'm guessing here. Try to imagine just for a second being completely in love with being uniquely yourself on a new earth where there is hiking and laughing and surfing and working with a purpose and eating John 21, Jesus with his resurrected body, post-resurrection, cooks breakfast on the beach for Peter and the boys. Isaiah 25, six says this, in Jerusalem, that's the new one, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread out a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine. That's just for the antioxidants, don't worry. And choice, what's that word? My gosh, that's my next tattoo, Isaiah 25, six. We have a party, we have a party throwing God who much like a divine Danny Tanner wants a full house, okay? We are looking forward to something unimaginably good, Red Rocks. If you think hiking is awesome now, all I'm saying is you just wait until you got some resurrected legs and there's colors you ain't never seen before. You think the ocean is powerful now? You think the starry night sky is majestic now? You think sunsets are beautiful now? You like fashion now? You like listening to music now, reading a good book now? You like like sitting down with friends who feel like family and eating and laughing now? You just wait until you and everybody else around you has a renewed mind, a completed soul, and a resurrected body where everybody is needed and fully known and yet completely loved at the same time, nobody auditioning for a spot in the room, nobody competing for attention because because insecurity is nothing more than a distant memory, just us in perfect union with each other in God in paradise forever and it's not a crutch and it's not a children's book, it is as real as it gets. That even the best day here pales in comparison to the most ordinary day there. We get to live now, you guys, in holy anticipation of what is waiting for us in eternity. And when you get that in your spirit, you start to live today different because of it. You start to live today like everything you have is just house money. You ever gamble? You shouldn't, but I've heard when you do and you're playing blackjack at a casino and you're up a little bit, you start playing with a lot more freedom and confidence. Why? Because it's house money. 
Well, this is kind of like that. You start realizing everything I have is from God. He knows what I need. If he can get it through me, he'll continue to get it to me. Seek first him and the rest of the kingdom will be, will be given to you. And that means I have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to about eternity. And so I'm gonna live today with forever in mind, which means no, shame is not gonna be the anthem of my soul. And no, I'm not gonna pray small. I'm not gonna play small. I'm not gonna give small and risk small because my hope is not in this world. It's in the one who has overcome it and the one who has something more for me beyond it, amen? This is so real. We are looking forward to the greatest thing ever. It's like when you have a vacation on the calendar and now your mundane Monday or your typical Tuesday is a little bit better. We get that now to live with a little bit more excitement and anticipation because of what's waiting for us, amen? All right, number three, last but not least, resurrection reality means we get his life here and now. So we are creatures who are designed for eternity and we feel it. Ecclesiastes 3.11, eternity is written into the heart of every human being. We feel this. We were made for something more, a story bigger than ourselves, and we know it. And if you don't believe me, just come over to my house and watch my three-year-old play Captain America in his costume in his backyard for an hour. And he's 2'11 and pale and has the goofiest run, but in his, the deepest places and spaces inside of him, he knows he was made for great things. He knows, man, that he's part of, of something bigger. And I'm saying that's you, because God has put that in you and resurrection reality means we get to start living a bigger story with a better purpose in the here and now, okay? That Jesus died so we could be forgiven, but Jesus rose from the grave so that you and me could live forgiven. That this is not just a, a then and there thing. Jesus said the kingdom is right here and right now. Salvation is here today. I don't have to wait for the end of all things and the beginning of this new earth and the new heavens to start walking in it. It is here today. So why would I keep running back to, to shame or condemnation or guilt or letting those things have any say or control in my life? That is now just a waste of your time because of resurrection reality. And why would I continue to run back to all the things that I'm trying to find fulfillment and purpose and completion in, which by the way, are not working, and we all do this, I'm, I, I do it still. This is a great experiment in our world where millions of people are hitting a ceiling for the fulfillment they are finding, looking for everything under the sun to do it for them. This is Bono singing, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And what I'm saying is Easter is the story of a God who comes down beneath the ceiling to do for us what we can never do on our own and rip the roof off for the joy and the peace and the contentment and the fulfillment and the passion that's possible for you to walk in, not then and there, but today. Day, here and now. This is the more you were made for. And I'm talking to you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how unqualified you feel. Resurrection reality means there's not a single story or present situation in this room that he cannot rewrite and make beautiful again. Amen? I told you guys back in January, my college pastor, Bill Stevens, um, him and his wife, Jackie, their home is one of 1,100 homes 
that was burned down in the Marshall Fire in Superior, Colorado on December 30th. Me, Ryan, and Ethan got to spend an evening with him two weeks ago and he took us to where his home was. And I know, it's, guys, 1,100 stories just like that. And it looked like an apocalyptic movie scene, you know? I was speechless, which is saying something. For the first time in my life, I had no words, nothing to say. And Bill, you know, he would laugh and crack jokes and then cry like in the same minute. And he toured us around and it was very somber, sobering, and just an honor to be there. But it's interesting because if you look in the middle, something is happening. There is a, a flower, a random beautiful flower that is growing out of, out of all this wreckage. And to me, it is a perfect picture and metaphor of Easter, that by his spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat because the resurrected king is now resurrecting me. His resurrection set into motion this life that now everything heals. Life wins. Every crucifixion is always followed by an exponential resurrection. Something beautiful can grow regardless of the situation you find yourself in today because of Easter. The crucifixion was real and the resurrection is only possible because of it, but our reality is defined by the resurrection, church. I believe this is why Chip and Joanna Gaines are so loved, not just for who they are, but for what they do, because they look at a house or a home that the rest of the world would call condemned and and dilapidated, and that story is over and dead and done. And they see something beautiful, and they build something beautiful out of that, that all of us raise our hands at home watching it from our couches and go, I want that house now. They saw it and they made it. And I think we watch that and deep down there's something that just echoes into our spirits, into the deep recesses of who we are. We see a parallel to what Jesus has done for us and continues to do for us. That the grace that saved you is also the grace that continues to to, to sustain you. That you might see rubble, but God sees a resurrection. And if he can resurrect Jesus from the dead, then he can resurrect your life, he can resurrect your marriage, he can resurrect that relationship, he can resurrect that dream, he can resurrect this situation. If he can raise Jesus from the dead, nothing. The word impossible is now officially removed from our God's vocabulary. He is a resurrecting God. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. So no, you're not too far gone. And no, you're not condemned. And no, this isn't over for you. And this is not, this will not be how your story finishes. Why? Because of Easter. Because it doesn't have to be that. Because this is a resurrection reality. And he is in this place, speaking and breathing and healing and moving. From the ashes I will rise from defeat because the resurrected king 2,000 years ago is resurrecting me. And his impact and influence supernaturally are now everywhere. You don't even need faith to see it, you just need to look. This is the realest event that has forever changed the world and divided our calendar in two. And the God who did that is here. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
this is a moment just you and him. And I wanna be very, very bold and ask a question I have been excited to ask all week. And you haven't yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but like I felt back in 2008, deep down, you, you know this is real. I'm telling you, it's no coincidence that you're here today and you sense God, not a guy in a blue suit talking, you sense the maker of the universe introducing himself to you right now in the exact way that you need him to. And I'm telling you, this is here for you. It's called salvation. It's a, a package deal, the forgiveness of sins, heaven forever then, and a relationship with him and his life in the here and now. But like all relationships, like all love, it must be a decision. It requires your choice to make him your Lord and Savior and give your life to him. So if I'm talking to you, I'm just gonna ask you to be bold. And on three, raise your hand if you wanna receive Jesus. One, God loves you. Two, you'll never be the same. Three, just raise up your hand, shoot up your hand right now. Amen, come on. And let me remind you, the only interest he has in your past is redeeming it and using it. That's it, he wants you, he's after you. He's got a warrant out for you in the greatest way possible. Been looking forward to this day since before the foundations of the earth were formed or made. Come on. Hey, Red Rocks, let's do this. Everybody, can you open your eyes and stand to your feet and make some noise because heaven in this room, right off the corner of 35 and 183, just got a lot more crowded this Easter Sunday. Let's go. Come on. The resurrected king is resurrecting all of us, you guys. That starts the moment you receive Jesus and it continues on to your final breath when you're fully complete with him, like in him and with him in paradise forever. And I can't wait. And until then, we live in an amazing place in the here and now with an amazing mission to continue making heaven more crowded and treat every day like it's Easter Sunday, amen. All right, Jesus, we love you so much and thank you for, for the souls that just gave their, their eternities to you. We praise you for that. I ask that you'd bless them and you'd keep them. I'd ask for anybody in here who feels like their situation right now or their life right now is wreckage and rubble, that you would make something new grow and that you would breathe hope onto that situation that you would resurrect something that nobody is too far gone. Would nobody walk out of here still thinking that they are? Not on your watch, God. Would you intervene right here and right now and let them know how, how for them you are, how much you love them, how much grace and mercy you have for them today, the life you're trying to lead them into, and the heaven forever that we anticipate. Today we celebrate the greatest event in history, and we pray this in the powerful, beautiful, wonderful name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody at Red Rocks Church said, amen. You guys, let's worship. <laughs> 